So number one, insects are nature's most powerful upcyclers. They have a really profound and natural ability to turn very low value uh, feedstocks into very high value ingredients. And they do this in nature all the time. A whole new era of communication in the pet food industry is coming. Now you have the brightest minds in the global pet food industry right in your pocket. And what's best? You can listen to all of them while driving, traveling, or running errands. It's never been this good, and it's never been this simple. We want to thank the innovative companies and products whose support and trust make this podcast possible. Learn how InnovaFeed's Helusia protein and oil for pets can unlock a more sustainable and performant future for pet foods at InnovaFeed.com forward slash Helusia. ICC Animal Nutrition, adding value to nutrition. Trow Nutrition, the science of ingredients, nutrition, and blending. Welcome to the Pet Food Science Podcast Show, a weekly podcast where you'll find cutting-edge insights and all that's working in the pet food industry. Welcome, everyone, to the Pet Food Science Podcast, where our mission is to share emerging information to help the continual innovation in the pet food industry to support the health and well-being of dogs and cats. I'm your host, Dr. Kate Shoveler, and I'm here today with Sean Madison from InnovaFeed and Jennifer Adolfi from ADM Pet Nutrition. Welcome, Sean and Jennifer. Thank you. Happy to be here. Hi, Kate. Hi. Well, let's get started with Sean. Why don't you introduce InnovaFeed um, and how you got to InnovaFeed in the first place? Maybe a little bit about your academic journey as well, um, and then your relationship with ADM and Jennifer Adolfi. Sure. Um, so, yeah, my name is Sean Madison. I'm based in Chicago, Illinois. Uh, my background has been primarily professionally in the food business. Uh, so I've worked from retail to consumer goods. And I, I joke that I keep moving more and more upstream in the value chain as I'm now in kind of the feed ingredients space. Uh, academically, I studied uh, my undergrad at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. And I received my MBA from the University of Chicago Booth School of Business. Um, I joined InnovaFeed in August of 2022, uh, and it was really to lead our commercial development efforts in North America. So a little bit of background about InnovaFeed. We're a French-based ag tech company. Um, but the reason that I don't have a really cool French accent like some of my colleagues uh, is that we are globally expanding uh, into North America uh, as part of our uh, expansion initiative brought on by our 2022 Series D raising. Um, and basically, we're one of the global leaders in the budding insect industry, and we are view the United States as a, a prime opportunity to build what will become the world's largest insect production facility. Um, and so this actually leads how we are connected with ADM as well. So the, the plant that we're building uh, will be in Decatur, Illinois, uh, in partnership with ADM, uh, connecting our corn plant to theirs, where we'll, where we'll upcycle their uh, agricultural byproducts. But we actually work together with ADM in a variety of different ways as well. So the second way that we work with them is ADM participated in that uh, fundraising that I mentioned. Uh, so they're an investor of ours. And then the third, the third way is, and how I know Jennifer so well, is that we have an exclusive distributorship agreement and development agreement in the North American pet food space. So all things dog and cat. So over the last year and a half, I've worked very closely with Jennifer and the ADM team to basically develop this insect-based pet food business. Uh, and we have worked hand in hand to become kind of a full service provider for uh, pet food and pet treat companies 
uh, throughout the North American market to come up with solutions to incorporate these novel ingredients uh, throughout their formulations. As the world is looking for healthier, more natural, and sustainable solutions, InnovaFeed's Helucia Protein and Oil for Pets offers a path to a brighter future for pet food. Helucia represents the convergence of the natural upcycling power of Hermitia elucens larvae with InnovaFeed's cutting-edge production technology to produce the highest quality ingredients for pet nutrition with the lowest environmental footprint. Hylucia protein and oil for pets has been meticulously developed, tested, and validated to deliver outstanding digestibility and palatability in both dry and wet pet food formulation, while environmental impacts have been validated through a published life cycle assessment. Learn more at innovafeed.com forward slash Hylucia. And so I think that's a perfect segue to pass it over to Jennifer to introduce herself from ADM. All right. Thanks so much, Sean. Uh, I am technical sales manager at ADM, where I'm responsible for providing technical support, nutrition training, formulation services, and new product development for our customers in the pet food industry. I have my PhD in companion animal nutrition and a master of science degree in human nutrition. And I've been working in the pet food industry now for over 10 years. So it's been a great partnership working with Feed to bring insect ingredients to the pet food industry. And I'm excited to speak about this today. Great. Thank you both. I'm really excited as well. I've done a little bit of scientific work uh, utilizing black soldier fly larvae and have had the privilege to be in a really strong animal nutrition group where uh, that's been applied to multiple species um, from poultry and pigs. Um, we ourselves have looked at it in cat a little bit as well. So um, really interesting topic. So I thought maybe we would set the foundation by just introducing the fact to all the listeners that the projection is that the global human population um, is going to continue to grow and hit 9 billion by 2050. And as part of that global increase in human population and countries moving from developing to developed, we are going to see a big increase in the demand for food. And we need to meet that while meeting sustainability goals simultaneously so we can help support um, the health of our planet as well. And so insects are a very, very timely topic. So I'm very excited about this. What was really interesting about the Anova Feed approach was the basis that they pursued uh, looking at insect ingredients to support a circular economy. So Sean, would you mind talking and explaining to the listeners what is a circular economy and how that's involved or how that theory is involved in everything that you do in your approaches at Anova Feed? Absolutely. Um, and when I usually introduce InnovaFeed and the topic of insect-based ingredients in, in feed applications, whether it's pet food or in other markets that we work in, uh, I really try to answer three main things. Why, why insect? Why the black soldier fly, which is the, the insect that we've chosen? Uh, and then why InnovaFeed? And I think we'll get to that uh, circular economy by uh, going through those three points. So number one, insects are nature's most powerful upcyclers. They have a really profound and natural ability to turn very low value uh, feedstocks into very high value ingredients. And they do this in nature all the time. Um, so we see insects as kind of this nexus point of solving both upstream and downstream issues 
On the upstream side, there's a there's a vast amount of these kind of waste or byproduct streams that are low value. There's not a lot of opportunities to do with it. And people are looking for opportunities to essentially do something that creates economical value and is not just throwing it away in a landfill. Um, so insects can come in and treat that as feedstock and then turn this into a really high value ingredient, which also solves these downstream issues in the markets that we, we sell into, namely pet food, aquaculture and, and livestock species. Um, there's a high demand for an expansion of the ingredient basket uh, with novel and uh, more sustainable proteins uh, and more sustainable oils, too, which we can get into a, a little bit later as well. And uh, so really, we see that the insect is that nexus point solving both these upstream and downstream issues. And the, the black soldier fly is, is very particularly well suited uh, to kind of lead this insect revolution uh, in, into these markets that we uh, that we sell into for a couple of reasons. One, we make ingredients. So we need to keep in mind the nutritional profile, the functional benefits, everything like that. Um, the ingredients that we sell, namely our defatted protein um, and our uh, oil, uh, are, are very high quality ingredients with some unique properties uh, that really are well suited for the feed markets that we sell into. And secondly, the black soldier fly is really functionally equipped to, to do this at a very, very meaningful scale. So there's a really short uh, lifespan, for example. Most of our larvae are harvested under two weeks old. So when you compare that to traditional livestock, it's quite a big change. Um, they have a high reproductive yield. So one, one insect can produce up to a thousand eggs at a time. Um, so you can really, when you think about yields going through the process, um, the, the numbers are just pretty, quite staggering. Uh, and they're not an invasive species. They have no known pathogen risk. It's all told is really just the, the well-suited insect. And it's kind of why the BSF uh, is becoming the insect of choice in the industry. And then, so why InnovaFeed? And this kind of comes down to that circular economy. InnovaFeed was founded by three French engineers in 2016. And their goal was to target all of those issues that you just mentioned. This, uh, you know, food, food security questions that are coming down the pipeline, the climate change impact of our agro food industry, uh, even biodiversity impacts of our food industry right now. Uh, and we saw insect as uh, the kind of most natural and well-suited solution to kind of plug into these value chains uh, and really be on a meaningful scale, be able to deliver results relatively quickly. Um, and so InnovaFeed's whole kind of model has been to leverage these insects, these wonderful, powerful insects that we already talked about, um, but optimize that in, in a really uh, performance kind of industrial model. And so we call the way that we build our production facilities industrial symbiosis. Uh, and it's where we plug direct our facilities and co-locate directly with our two key inputs of our production process, which are the energy required to breed and process the, the insects, and then also the feedstock required to actually feed the insects. And so we talked about the feedstock a little bit earlier, where we leverage agricultural byproducts. Um, and we, the, the, how this looks in an industrial symbiosis model is we have an over-the-fence model where we connect our facilities via a pipeline, and we, we convey still wet byproducts into our facilities, and we feed those directly to our insects. So this has, if you think about the impact of this, this uh, the partner that we have on the upstream end doesn't have to dry their byproducts anymore. They don't have to transport their byproducts anymore. And this saves, obviously, on costs and an economic basis. But importantly, it saves on the environmental basis. So industrial symbiosis, we know 
um, kind of is, is optimized on both of those things, both economics and environmental impacts. And then one thing I'll say on the energy side is we capture um, also through a co-location uh, waste energy and waste energy is heat from the energy making process that would have dissipated into the atmosphere. We're able to capture that through a hydro condenser and use that waste heat, that fatal heat uh, to power about 60% of our energy needs. And so, and with the remaining 40% coming from uh, a green energy source. So it's almost like even better than renewable energy uh, by doing, by capturing this waste energy. And so the benefits of this model and the circular economy that we're kind of building uh, in this industrial symbiosis mode uh, include things like quality and consistency. Because we know exactly where the feedstock is coming in, we guarantee 100% traceability. And bugs are essentially a classic case of you are what you eat. So if you have quality and consistency coming in, you're going to have quality and consistency going out. And that's really crucial in, in businesses like the pet food space where formulation is very exact and developing a consistent spec is paramount. Uh, but we also allow for us to have reliable scale. So part of the reason we're building uh, the facility in Decatur, Illinois with ADM is because ADM has the world's largest corn processing plant there. So when you think about a place to you know, go where the byproducts are, let's throw, throw a dart at the, uh, at the biggest plant in the world, and that's where you're going to find the biggest supply of byproducts to build what will allow to be the, the largest uh, insect facility in the world. Uh, and then finally, the environmental benefits. Uh, I talked about it before. We have a published life cycle assessment that um, basically seeks to measure the impact of this industrial symbiosis model compared to a hypothetical no symbiosis model. Uh, we can uh, people can reach out to me for the the link to that published report. Um, but you see a really big benefit from. Uh, from a lot of those impacts, whether it's the, dry, the no drying of byproducts, the no transporting of byproducts, the tapping into fatal, the fatal energy. Um, and then also we compare our ingredients to commonly used ingredients or what to seek basically to compare to what we're either trying to replace or complement in formulations. Uh, and we see a, a quite significant uh, benefit from the environmental standpoint. Um, so we would be happy to share more information on that uh, at a later date. Great. So many, so many questions to follow, Sean. So I think I'm going to dive in. I'm, I'm going to kind of start at the consumer level uh, because bugs are a little bit of a taboo topic to be bringing into the food industry in general. And I do live in Canada and in Canada, in our Loblaws chain of uh, grocery stores, there's an entire line, for example, of cricket-based uh, foodstuffs for humans. So we're starting to see that in the human food chain. And in Canada, we do have uh, a few uh, diets on the market for dogs, especially um, a couple with cats that do include either back soldier, soldier fly larvae or cricket. So the first question here is you're talking black soldier fly larvae, the other one that has gotten quite a bit of uh, press for interest on both human and pet side is crickets. So can anybody, does anybody want to describe the top line differences between the production of those two insects? Yeah, I can talk about maybe the, the production differences and then I, I would pass it to Jennifer to maybe talk about some of the uh, more technical differences. Um, but we talked about the functional benefits of the BSF, uh, where there's a, a short lifespan, a very high reproductive yield. We actually harvest at the larvae stage, which is when they're the kind of little worm looking things. Uh, they don't fly around. 
um, whereas crickets kind of go through their entire life uh, life cycle process and would be harvested more at their at their uh, adult stage. Um, and that that has different challenges, that has different uh, time constraints, that has uh, different everything. So uh, there's some functional benefits to how you can actually build a facility and how you can scale. And so we we really you know we know that some of the cricket folks very well, uh, and we admire their work, and we view them as collaborators in this budding industry. But at the same time, we we feel very strongly that that the BSF uh, um, will will be able to provide kind of that meaningful scale to really impact the markets that we're hoping to market to, uh, including the pet food space. Yeah, I think it's like a lot of ingredients that people have to appreciate that they're not in competition with each other. Every ingredient holds its own space in a formulation and every ingredient has its own limitations and its own benefits. And so companies that are putting these together really have to weigh what their mission is, what their key decision um, uh, basis is for taking any one ingredient or over another, because there's a million diets and a million combinations that you can form for whether that's human diets or those for dogs and cats. So very interesting. Jennifer, would you mind commenting on the nutritional differences between cricket and black soldier fly larvae just to dimensionalize those? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Uh, Crickets and black soldier fly larvae have slightly different macronutrient profiles. So for pet food formulation, having different ingredients with different macronutrient profiles is important. So by macronutrients, I mean protein, fat, carbohydrate, um, primarily. The black soldier fly larvae has a very unique uh, composition, and it has three unique attributes that I like to talk about from a nutrition perspective. So one is the chitin, which acts like a dietary fiber for the pet or for the human and can have some digestive health benefits that we are just kind of touching on in our research currently. And I think there's a lot more to explore. The lauric acid is because black soldier fly larvae is higher in fat than crickets. Um, and it also has this unique lauric acid type of fatty acid, which is what we call a medium chain tri triglyceride and is a, a C12, a, a 12 carbon chain length. So the body metabolizes the lauric acid differently than it does longer chain fatty acids, which has some unique properties. Lauric acid is also very rich in coconut oil, which a lot of people are very familiar with. MCTs may have some metabolic health benefits and may also have some cognitive health benefits. So we're also interested in exploring that. Last but not least, the unique attribute of black soldier fly larvae is its composition of um, um, antimicrobial peptides. So because insects don't have innate immune systems, they produce these peptides to help fend off pathogens, etc. As you can imagine, larvae don't always live in the most ideal of environments and they need these antimicrobial peptides. But from a nutrition perspective, Maybe these AMPs can offer some immune benefits and some other kind of functional health benefits that, again, we're still exploring. 
Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point. I've been involved in some research in chickens where black soldier fly meal that's not defatted and the black soldier fly oil is being used as a potential alternative to antimicrobials and growth promotants and already showing favorable uh, results for supporting that, which is really important for the agricultural industry as well. Uh, so I, absolutely, I think it's very interesting. So now when we think maybe back to Jennifer too, we think about these benefits. Uh, if you overlay digestibility, because what we always do in the pet food industry is when we're looking at ingredients that are going to provide a large portion of protein in our formulations, we're all always quite obsessed with what the digestibility of those amino acids are. And, and particularly, and a limitation that we have until uh, someone either comes up with a really good in vitro technique that validates against swine ileal or the secectomized rooster, um, I... I because I'm a protein and amino acid person, I can't stop to remind people that it's important that you do not use total tract amino acid digestibilities. Those are not valid. Uh, but when we look at the ileal digestibility of those amino acids, uh, what do we know about the digestibility of protein and amino acids in black soldier fly uh, larvae? Yeah, great question. So Sean mentioned the development agreement that Adobe Feed and ADM have. And part of that agreement has resulted in a research study in collaboration with Dr. Maria Godoy at University of Illinois to study that exact question. So we have some preliminary results from that trial. These are hot off the press. So I'm excited to share them with you today. Um, so the purpose of that trial was to assess amino acid digestibility of three ingredients using the susectomized rooster. And like you said, that is a model that can help to um, assess ileal digestibility because the cecum has been removed. And so we don't get that protein fermentation. Um, and we can calculate what's called the DIAS, which is the digestible indispensable amino acid score, which is a bit of a mouthful, but it's an important measurement because basically it tells us the protein quality of those ingredients. So the three ingredients that we looked at were the black soldier fly larvae, we also measured uh, chicken meal. Since chicken meal is a very common pet food ingredient, we wanted to use it as a benchmark. And then we also analyzed a powdered dried egg as kind of the gold standard protein option uh, for pet food or human food. And so what we found in that with that rooster trial was that the amino, digest, amino acid digestibility of the black soldier fly larvae was very comparable to that of chicken meal. And so that's, that's great news. We know it allows us to know that the amino acids are well digested, well absorbed. Um, and then we also um, made some research diets, uh, a control diet, a 15% um, black soldier fly larvae diet, and a 30% black soldier fly larvae diet. And we fed those to, to dogs. And so the control diet only had chicken meal. 
the 15% diet had some chicken meals, some black soldier fly larvae. And the 30% diet was only black soldier fly larvae as the primary protein source. And like you said, again, this is total tract digestibility, but we were able to then measure protein digestibility and fat digestibility. And again, saw very uh, similar digestibility values between the three diets. Interesting. And with the total tract digestibility, I'm going to assume that you use two-week treatment periods, Jennifer? Um, the We followed the, the AFCO protocol. And so it was, yeah, it was per the AFCO, AFCO protocol. And, and Maria's lab is very well versed in, in these trials and do a, do a lot of them. Yes. Absolutely. So is there plans to do a longer term study? Uh, I'm quite involved in doing approval studies for uh, different ingredients across the food chain. And we are now running AFCO-like studies, so longer term studies um, with multiple inclusion rates over longer periods of time and multiple uh, organ outcomes as well to assess their overall safety. Is there a plan to do uh, those as well? Yeah. So the the total study was actually three weeks. The digestibility portion of it was, uh, sorry, three months. Um, The digestibility portion of it was, you know, followed the AFCO protocol. Uh, However, the total three-month trial, we also used, included some other endpoints. We don't have all of those results back yet, but it included some some health parameters. So I'm hoping there might be a a part two of this conversation where we can share those results once they're available. But yes, absolutely. Digestibility, we consider to be kind of the the foundation. It's it's the minimum amount of information that we need, um, but we need some of those other endpoints as well. Um, So also part of the digestibility, of course, we then also measured uh, food intake, fecal output, fecal score. These are all things, of course, that pet parents in particular are very interested in. So um, food intake was the same between the three diets with the dogs, no differences. So the acceptability of the diets was very high. Uh, Fecal output also uh, the same between the three diets. Fecal score, uh, there was a slight difference between the control and the 30% BSF diet. Um, But all of the all of the diets had a score between two and three, which is considered ideal. And if anything, the black soldier fly larvae had a slightly higher score, which uh, in our scoring system meant that it it was slightly firmer stool, which most pet parents uh, appreciate. Absolutely. So that's the data that we need to consider to using black soldier fly larvae in formulas. But there's also a consumer acceptance uh, piece to this. And indeed, when I've posted things on social media where we've investigated black soldier fly larvae, I have gotten a lot of friends and family who have commented about, I would never eat this or I would never feed it. So what is the plan or what do you think will happen with consumer acceptance of pet foods that contain insects and how are you planning to overcome those? 
Yeah, and I could take this one, but this is something we spend a lot of time, energy, uh, and resources on in solving because we know we need to we need to partner with the entirety of the value chain. As a Nova Feed, as a feed ingredient, we could, you know, easily be on the upstream and be like, hey, we're just going to supply it. Uh, we're going to let the brands figure this out themselves. But we know we need to be active players and kind of developing this this insect based pet food space. And so over the last year, we've developed what I am now calling our Helusia Pet Marketing Playbook, uh, which is really aimed to crack that consumer narrative, to, to really understand the perceptions of pet parents and understand what levers can be pulled to position this really high-performing ingredient uh, effectively uh, to, to achieve you know, our sales targets and, and ambitions in the pet food space. And so we have a kind of a threefold approach on this. Number one, and I cats out of the bag a little bit, I, I mentioned the Helusia brand. So um, the scientific name of the black soldier fly is Hermesia lucens. And at Anova Feed, we have trademarked the term Helusia. And we're about to go through kind of this big rebranding announcement. So I'm happy to, to officially put that over the interwebs uh, today. But Helusia is essentially the portmanteau of Hermesia lucens and represents the convergence of this amazing black soldier fly along with Innova Feed's pioneering industrial model. So that's what Helusia is, the, the culmination of those two things. And the goal is to essentially change the way that we refer to black soldier fly larva protein or black soldier fly larva oil, which if, I, if I'm talking to an average consumer on the street, might not be the most appealing way to refer to an ingredient for their pet to eat. Um, so we really want this front of pack cell story to be all about Helusia protein, Helusia oil, and touting the benefits of that. And, you know, we're not trying to hide anything. We're just really trying to kind of build a different way to talk about the ingredient. Um, so I think the Helusia brand is going to be a really, really powerful tool in that. And we already have a couple of uh, partners uh, in the next six months that will be rolling out packaging with a Powered by Helusia label on the front of it and talking about the benefits of Helusia ingredients uh, on their packaging directly to consumers. And now the other, the other aspects have to do with kind of what we think is like an educational piece. I think people, when they hear insect protein or when they hear black soldier fly larva, they can, there, there might be a lot of baggage or they might jump to assumptions. They might just not know really much about it. Um, so we recognize that there's a, a big aspect uh, to creating kind of an educational cell story on why this might be great for, for your dog or cat uh, and why you should be interested in learning more. And so one of the things that ADM and InnovaFeed have done is really kind of nail the consumer research aspect of this. Um, and I think I'll pass it to Jennifer right now to give a, give a little bit of insight on what some of the, the consumer survey results that we saw from talking to consumers about this exact uh, question. Yeah, thanks, Sean. Uh, ADM has a marketing and consumer insights group, and we use uh, a platform called Outside Voice to target different consumer groups to see how they perceive different topics. And so we were really interested in uh, determining what are some of the barriers people might perceive to choosing a pet food with insects and how could we overcome some of those barriers. So I'll share the very exciting uh, finding first off, and then I'll get into a little bit more detail about uh, some of the education that we gave these consumers. So. We found that with just a little bit of education, the willingness of people to consider purchasing a pet food with insects 
increased by 42%. So at the beginning of the survey, we asked the participants, how likely are you to feed pet food made with insects? Well, a whopping 43% said, no, absolutely not. Not, not at all likely. And only 12% said that they were completely likely. Then we asked some other questions. We provided uh, a little bit of more information about insects and pet food. And then we asked that same question again at the end of the survey. And amazing results was just that little bit of education. The not at all likely group fell from the 43% all the way down to 22%. And the top two box increased from 23% to 32%. So how did we achieve that? Well, we just gave them a little bit of information about black soldier fly larvae, about insects in general. So we told them that Insect protein is a really nutritious alternative ingredient for pet food, that it's safe, that it's sustainable, that it's produced using the highest quality standards, um, that insect protein, the insects are not actually visible in the pet food. So it's actually just a powder, just like a flower. So that's, that ick factor can should be a, a non-issue. Um, and, and interestingly, all of those factors were kind of on parity in terms of how they affected people's interest in feeding the uh, insect-based pet food. Um, so, but together they increased that, that willingness. And so we found that, um, of course, nutrition and palatability are still really key factors um, but just a little bit of education really went a long way. We want to thank the innovative companies and products whose support and trust make this podcast possible. Chemin Nutrisurance is your pet food and rendering partner every step of the way. ProAmpac is changing the future of sustainable pet food packaging. Learn more at pets.proampac.com. Wilbur Ellis Nutrition. Make one call, find it all. Wilbur Ellis Nutrition, your partner for pet ingredients and services. Great. It just really emphasizes the importance that we all at every sector as we produce science through the sector that we have really good knowledge translation plans. Rather than letting that science sit, uh, we do have to educate the consumer. We have to educate professionals in the animal care industry, paraprofessionals. Uh, it goes a very long way. I thought one of the most compelling things when I first started to consider this is I heard um, a woman, uh, um, I'm going to forget her first name. Her last name is Lesnick. And at the time she was at Michigan State University. She's an anthropologist and she was talking about the role of insect consumption in human evolution. And in fact, we have been eating insects for a very, very, very long time and sometimes in very large quantities. And then when I interviewed David Thomas from Massey University in New Zealand, they did a study where they looked at gut contents of captured feral cats. Mm -hmm. And there was a very high proportion of, he described this odd New Zealand bug that is quite <laughs> plentiful. Um, it sounded a bit 
um, apocalyptic to me, but uh, he he started with they're similar to cockroaches. And I think that I immediately lost the script there. But uh, the point is that there was a very large percentage of those in the gut contents of those feral cats. So I think that's the other thing is that our animals will eat insects. And we've all watched cats, as an example, chase flies around and then eat them up in a heartbeat and I can honestly say that when we got some black soldier fly larvae, we went in into the cat calling just to see, and we threw a couple dried black soldier flies out and they ate them really, really quickly. Uh, so not that I'm saying that that's a good treat idea. That's just kind of the crazy things that I do, but they <laughs> do naturally like them. And I also feel it's very important here too. We talk about dogs and cats, but maybe the other companion animal too, where black soldier fly larvae meal may have a lot of potential is in the horse industry. And uh, I, I really don't want any of the insect um, companies to forget that horse has very few protein options and could be a really big opportunity. So the other thing that I noticed when I was looking at the product uh, that Anova Feed produces is that Anova Feed is a B certified corporation. Can you tell me a little bit more why we care about that, Sean? Yeah, of course. So B Corp is seen uh, internationally as one of the gold standards of using business as a force for good. That, that's essentially their mission statement. And so the B Corp certification process um, is, is quite rigorous in, in terms of what you have to go through to, to be able to be a B Corp listed uh, company. And it goes through five different pillars of impact. And the pillars are governance, workers, community, environment, and customers. So when we think about AnovaFeed, um, I think the, the easy way to think about it is, is just in terms of the environmental impact. But that's really one, of the, one, pieces, one piece of the sustainable uh, puzzle. And we really need to not lose sight of these other aspects that also go into kind of sustainability and, and again, using business as a force for good. So the, the B Corp uh, process, you go through this rigorous testing, as I mentioned, uh, and you basically receive a, a score. Uh, and this is, this is posted on their website uh, for all B Corp certified companies. The average score is an 80, um, in, an 80 out of 200. So we achieved a, a 111 uh, out of 200, uh, and we're far above the, the standard in all five of those categories of governance, workers, community, environment, and customers. And so it's something that we're very proud uh, to, to use and leverage, um, but also kind of help us kind of open the doors for other opportunities, especially in the pet food space. So the, the B Corp certification has some reciprocity in uh, in things like the Pet Sustainability Coalition that we're that we're uh, we've recently joined and are going through that accreditation process uh, as well. So very, you know, going through this process has really allowed for us to kind of target this pet food space uh, individually as well. Fantastic. It's it's quite true. You can have a great product, but you also need a ethically and morally grounded company uh, to to really be aspirational. So thank you for that, Sean. I didn't even know that existed. So good to know that existed. So um, in total now, we've talked about the ingredient, but maybe to, to bring us to a close, can the both of you talk a little bit about some pet products that you're working on that incorporate the ingredients from Nova Feed and where you see those 
products evolving to uh, maybe both on a marketing side and on a scientific side. I'd love to hear what the plans are. Yeah, I can I can start and maybe I'll pass it to Jennifer in a sec. But um, one of the best parts about Innova Feeds Helusia ingredients, both the Helusia protein and our Helusia oil for pets, uh, is the versatility that they can be used in. Um, the Helusia protein, it, it can be used really similarly to how uh, chicken meal can be used uh, in different uh, pet foods, in different pet treats, um, it kind of as a, as a replacement or complement to those really traditionally used proteins. Uh, and then the oil, I think, is, is where we can get really creative. I think the oil has uh, a lot of those unique attributes from the unique fatty acid profile that Jennifer uh, mentioned previously. But it also is, um, it's actually solid at room temperature. Uh, it can add consistency to supplements, to soft chews, uh, etc. And we've been investigating some uh, interesting partnership opportunities on that and hope that we can roll out I think we'll be having some announcements in the next few months of uh, some interesting collaborations on that front. Uh, Jennifer, I don't know if you have anything else to add on that. Yeah, I just wanted to add that we at ADM have tried using the both the meal and the oil in different formats. So uh, we've used the meal in extruded kibble, baked kibble, some dental sticks. Um, we've used both ingredients in some soft chew supplements. So. Like Sean said, the, the meal really is a great replacement for chicken meal. And the oil uh, has some unique properties because it is semi-solid at room temperature. So um, I see lots of opportunity in this space. And I think we're uh, kind of just uh, at the tip of the iceberg. But um, from a nutrition perspective and a sustainability perspective, as well as a, a pet health perspective, I think that these are some really intriguing ingredients. Yeah, definitely. I've started thinking through this discussion about other potential benefit spaces where both the meal and the oil could land and things that have gone on investigated. Uh, there's never a lack of questions that we can ask in biology. It's always a, a really fun area uh, to keep thinking about how we continue to build that. Uh, one uh, little fun fact question um, on my part is it true that black soldier fly oil is used quite extensively in facial products for humans? Uh, it is true. Uh, it, because of kind of the unique physical and uh, fatty acid characteristics that we mentioned, there's a lot of these oleochemical applications that are used. Uh, basically, uh, the black soldier fly larva oil is the third most naturally prevalent uh, source of lauric acid. So this is after coconut oil and palm kernel oil. And so any of any avenues that those two ingredients are used, which is, you know, uh, in those facial oils, coconut oil and palm kernel are heavily used. Uh, we can use that black soldier fly larva oil or our Hallucia oil as a replacement for that. So it is true. Uh, and, and we're investigating those opportunities actively. All right. All I was thinking about was going down to my lab and run in rubbing the um, complete black soldier fly meal with the fat all over my face like a scrub to produce some good anti-aging effects. So thanks for that. And there's a little visual for the rest of the listener, listeners. Let me know how it goes. I, I might I might join <laughs> you actually. <laughs> I'll try almost anything once. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I really like to finish off the podcast with a couple of questions. Uh, first, I'm going to ask you uh, both. Uh, 
what's better, the cat or the dog? As an owner, as an owner of two dogs, I am probably a little bit biased, but at Right now, dogs are a very important part of my life, but cats are super cool. And from a nutrition perspective, they are superior in terms of interest. This is, this is a really hard question to ask somebody that's selling into the pet food space because, uh, yeah, I don't want to play favorites. But I do have a dog, uh, and I, but I grew up with cats, and uh, I'm going to go dog here. Okay, so we've got team dog. Interesting. I, I, uh, I can. It also depends on the dog. I don't like all breeds of dogs per se, uh, but the same can be said about cats. And then maybe a little bit of a longer answer to this question, but we not only have people from the pet food industry that listen into the podcast, but we also have people who aspire to be parts of the pet food industry. And both of you work in an, a, a business that supports the manufacturing of pet food. So if we had um, uh, young aspiring pet nutritionists, pet food chemists, pet marketers, what would your advice be to preparing for a career in the broader pet industry? I I can give some advice from my perspective, and I I would say to really understand the complexities of the market. You know, from your consumer hat, uh, you see the pet food on the shelf, but the the amount of, first of all, material, but also the work that goes into making that pet food is very complex. Uh, And, and, you know, whether it's the ingredients required, the packaging, the formulation, all of that, um, trying to understand that is is paramount first and foremost. And I think the way to do that is just starting somewhere. You know, I think working for a pet food company or a pet food supplier company uh, would be a great way to start to get your foundation on how the industry works. Uh, what are the levers that we can pull? And I think that's where you you kind of need to start is to really get that firsthand experience. Maybe it's not exactly where you want to land eventually, um, but to really understand the, the way things work uh, would be paramount. And I would say attend some of our industry events. There are some great trade shows, Pefu Forum, Global Pet Expo, Super Zoo, to get a feel for the industry. And don't be shy to just chat with people and and learn a bit more and make some connections. I got my first job because I overheard someone at a conference saying, hey, do you know any pet nutritionists in Canada? One thing led to another and I landed my first job. So network, your, your network is really invaluable. Absolutely. Thank you for that. And thank you both for joining us today. It was a pleasure speaking with you and have a great day. Thank you very much. You as well. Thanks. Have a great day. Looking to elevate your brand and captivate audiences through the power of podcasting? Look no further. Introducing the custom podcast brought to you by Wisemetics, where we take care of the behind the scenes so that you can focus on what truly matters. Podcasting has become an invaluable tool for brand awareness, but let's face it, putting it into practice can be a daunting task. It's incredibly time consuming and requires technical know-how, but don't worry, we've got you covered. With our experienced team at The Help, we'll handle the operational aspects so you can channel your energy into what your company does best. Are you ready to unleash the podcasting potential of your company? Schedule a call with one of our specialists today at the link in the bottom of this episode. You'll also receive a free podcast strategy consult tailored to the unique needs and goals of your business.